you're very welcome to today's Triumph Church podcast. We pray that you enjoy the message. We're going to begin this morning, uh, if we can, in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. I'm just going to read a few scriptures uh, to start us off uh, this morning. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit uh, for a number of, week, number of weeks now, and we're going to continue on that conversation this morning. In Romans 6, chapter 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. It's not a great place to start, but it gets good here. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's good news, isn't it? In 1 John chapter 5, and verse 11, it says, And this is what God has testified, that he has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And then in 1 John chapter 5, uh, verse 11 through 13, And this is what God had testified, that he has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. The last part of Verse 13 is absolutely amazing, where it says that you may know that you have eternal life. In the Passion Translation, it says that you may know without a doubt that you have eternal life. That's good news, isn't it? You know, everyone has the the question, what happens at the end of this life? You know, if we're born again, if we serve Jesus, we know what's going to happen. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? But much of the world doesn't have that guarantee. They don't know. They still have that question. They're looking for answers their entire life. And it all leads to that one question. When you're on your deathbed, there's only one thing you're, you're curious about. There's only one thing you're wondering about, you know, well, what's going to happen to me next? Is there anything beyond this? You know, was I, good, was, was I a good enough person in my life, hopefully, that maybe I might be able to, to squeak into heaven? People wonder these things, don't they? Their entire life. It all leads to that one question. Everything else before that doesn't really matter, does it? When you get to the end of your life, If you're not sure where you're going to go, then nothing else before that even matters at all, does it? It all just comes to that one simple question. What's going to happen to me? Well, this morning we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit again, but we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit as our guarantee. You ever heard that? The Holy Spirit as our guarantee. The great news for us is that the Holy Spirit has been sent to us as the guarantee that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt the answer to that question. That when we get to the end of our lives, there's no curiosity. We're not wondering. We're not hoping that maybe I was a good enough person because we know that it's not rested upon if I was a good person or not. It's not resting upon if I said enough prayers or if I did enough rituals. 
If I did all these different works in my life, maybe I might be good enough. Maybe I might have gotten God's attention where he may say, okay, you can slip through. But when we serve Jesus, when he's our Lord and Savior, it's not by anything that we've done. It's by everything that he's done, right? And he sent the Holy Spirit as our guarantee that we may know beyond a shadow of a doubt where it is that we're going to go when we die. And that's why we can have joy throughout this life. I said that before. There's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is based on our emotions, right? That joy that's unspeakable and full of glory that people see in our lives is based upon us knowing where it is that we're going at the end of this life. That's my anchor. That's what I'm rooted in. That's what I'm founded in. And the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. Amen? So we're going to be talking about that a bit this morning. Now I want to look a little further at the Holy Spirit's role. We've, we've talked about you know, the Holy Spirit with us. We've talked about the Holy Spirit in us. And we've talked about the Holy Spirit upon us, right? You remember us talking about these things. So we're in the middle kind of talking about the Holy Spirit in us, all right? And Jesus had said in Acts chapter uh, 1 and verse 8, he had said then the Holy Spirit would come upon us. We're going to be getting to that uh, in a number of, of weeks here, but right now we're still on the Holy Spirit in us. And our relationship with God, that's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, I think that it's helpful for us to actually know what the roles are of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit play in our lives because each of them have a, a different role, a different part in our life. So I think it's helpful uh, to look at that. So we're going to do that. Um, if you want to turn with me to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7. And it says, for there are three that bear witness in heaven. You have the Father, you have the Word, which is Jesus, and you have the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. So each member of the Godhead, they all operate in unity, in harmony with each other towards the same objective. But each of them have a different role in reaching that objective. I'll give you an example of how they work together. When building a structure such as a home, you have an architect, right, someone who develops the plans of what that home is going to be, what it looks like, how it's going to be built. Then you have the, the foreman, and then you have the construction worker. I know this isn't really an ideal uh, of an example. I'm not sure that it's really, per really possible to have a perfect example of, of showing who and how their roles uh, play in our lives. So this is kind of uh, what I've heard before, and I think it kind of uh, works to give us a picture in our, our mind of, of how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit operate in our lives. So think of God the Father as the architect. He's the one who creates the plans, the blueprints for construction. In Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good. Isn't that good news? Not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. And then you have God the Son. He's like the, the foreman. He's the one who fulfills the construction project, fulfilling the plans of the architect. 
In John chapter 8 and verse 28, it says, So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am He. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. And then you have God the Holy Spirit. He's like the the construction worker. He's the one who's on site and following the direction of the foreman working to build that project. In John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So we have God the Father as the architect. He's the one creating the plans. We have God the Son as the foreman fulfilling the plans of the architect. And then we have God the Holy Spirit as a construction worker on site working to build the plans. Does that make sense? I understand that this is just kind of a generalization and a super simplification of something that is really kind of difficult to explain, explaining the Trinity, how you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and these three being one, isn't an easy thing necessarily for us to to wrap our heads around, but I think in looking at things in this term, it's a little helpful, isn't it? So in defining the roles and looking at Scripture, we can see in the book of Acts when Jesus ascended to heaven, and he went to sit at the right hand of God in heavenly places. You can see throughout the remainder of the New Testament that it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit in and through the lives of the believers. So Jesus said, I'm ascending up to heaven and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And he's the one that's going to work in your life as the helper. So Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. So that's why it's, imp- why it's important and why the Lord put it on my heart, especially in the days that we're living in, is we need to be really dependent upon the Holy Spirit as our helper. You know, I have, you know, Google Maps on my, on my phone that I use regularly, especially if I'm going through anywhere in the middle of the country here. I'd be lost without Google Maps, you know. Well, that's like the Holy Spirit in our lives. A lot of times we don't know where to go. And sometimes we feel completely lost. I have no idea where to go at all. But the Holy Spirit was sent to be our helper. He was sent to help through this life. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us to be the one to help us navigate this life, to go whichever direction that we need to go, because there's a number of different ways we could go in our lives, right? And sometimes we're faced with really difficult choices and decisions. And it's nice that we have the helper, God the Holy Spirit, on the inside of us, who's directing us which way it is that we should go. Man, it's nice having that, isn't it? And the amazing thing is, is you know, I always tell, you know, you're, you're always led by the peace of God on the inside. And sometimes we need that. You know, when God put it on our heart uh, to move to Ireland, we needed to know that that was the Holy Spirit. Right? I have a young family. I have a really nice job. I own a home. You want me to get rid of my home, quit a really nice job, move to another country to do what? 
Am I going to be able to provide for my family? Right? You have to know that it is the Lord leading you in different decisions in your life. But when you know that it's the Lord leading you, then when any kind of adversity comes, and the devil's always going to come in to try to steal, to kill, and cause destruction, destruction to try to get you to doubt those decisions, right? He's always going to come to try to steal that seed. But when you know that it was the Lord that gave you that direction to go, then there's a peace in that. Like, you don't have to wonder. When the devil is whispering in your ear lies and things, you know that that's not the Lord. That's just the devil trying to get you, and you just be quiet. I don't need to hear any of that, you know. I know that it's the Lord that, that gave me this direction, this decision, and I know that I'm going to prosper in it because God has asked me to do it. Amen? So it's important that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. God sent Jesus for his purpose. We all know John 3.16, right? We know why Jesus was sent by the Father. We also know that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit for his purpose. Well, what is his purpose? His spirit or his purpose is for leading us and guiding us and directing us and helping us through this life. That's what his purpose is. That's why Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away, because he was just one individual, right? I know it was Jesus, but he was in an earthly body. He could only be in one place at one time. Cool thing about the Holy Spirit is that he can be leading and guiding and directing us all, even though we're in different far corners of the world at the exact same time. So we can hear directly from God, you know, in, in different countries, you know, you have like, you know, say, say the, the president of this, this country, the, the Taoiseach, he may have a direct line, pick up the phone and talk to another leader in, in Europe, you know, and the phone rings on the other side, you know, and they're able to talk directly to one another, right? We're able to do that with God through the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. We have a direct line, each and every one of us, to God. All at the exact same moment, we could all be talking to God at the exact same moment, and the lines aren't going to be congested, right? The, the, the bandwidth isn't going to be, you know, strangled and, oh, this is taking forever to get a hold of God. No, we have a direct line to God the Father. We can talk to him any time we want. We can get direction from him any time we want. We can get the help that we need any time we want. You wake up from a nap, going in another lane, you see a vehicle coming, you have the helper, right? Right there. Isn't that cool? Maybe I'm just a little too excited about this. I don't know. So the, the Holy Spirit's purpose is for leading us and guiding us, directing us and helping us in this life. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1, I want to talk about one of the, you know, talking about the roles of the Holy Spirit. One of his, the most important roles that he has in our lives, we find in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul said that we've been adopted into the family of God. That's quite a statement, isn't it? That we've been adopted into the family of God. 
Like, it's one thing to be adopted into my family, right? Some of you probably, I don't want to be adopted into your family, <laughs> right? But to be adopted into God's family, God's family, that's a wild statement. And some things that people may consider that a blasphemous thing for you to be called a child of God, the creator of everything. The Apostle Paul says that you've been adopted into his family. Well, how is that even possible? Like, it sounds like something that should be impossible, right? Like, how could that even happen? How could a human being made of flesh and bone who has a beginning and, and has an end on this life, how can that human being be adopted into God's family? That just seems like something that is way too far-fetched, doesn't it? Now you're just telling me stories. How could, that just seems impossible. In Jeremiah chapter 32 and 27, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? This is kind of one of my, my go-to go scriptures in anything in my life. It's something that's nice to remind yourself up, to, to stir up your faith. When you're going through any kind of trial or tribulation or going through any kind of situation in your life, it's just nice to know that there's nothing that's too hard for God. That situation that you're facing is not too difficult for God to bring about an answer to you. The Bible says that he turns those things that are bad to our good. So the devil comes to steal, to kill, and cause destruction in your life. And how in the world, God, can you turn this situation around? It seems impossible. How can it happen? Well, the cool thing is, is the first thing is to realize is you don't have to make it happen. Thank God, right? You and your power don't have necessarily the power or the ability to cause that situation to turn around. But when you recognize, I'm a child of God, right? Sometimes it's nice for my kids to be able to come to me in a situation that they don't have the answer to, and they can go to dad. And they can get some wisdom. They can get some answers. Sometimes they may, they, they may need dad to become daddy bear or, you know, mom, mama bear to go to battle for them, right? I've done that at different times. There's a side of me that doesn't come out that often. But if someone's messing with my kids, right, God's the same way. There's a side of him where if someone's messing with his kids, you've been adopted into his family. Sometimes just changing that perspective that we have a little bit. And just looking at things from a little different perspective, it's helpful. It's nice to know that I don't have to fix all the problems in my life. I can go to God, my Father, and ask Him. And I have a direct line to Him by the Holy Spirit. Amen? When the Apostle Paul is talking about 
adoption in Ephesians there. Did I skip that scripture? I'll go there in just a minute. In the Jewish culture, like adoption wasn't a normal thing. I didn't really adopt in the Jewish culture. Your status was based on the family that you were born in. I didn't really adopt at all. When the Apostle Paul is, is mentioning adoption here, he's talking to the Gentile world. That was a, a common thing in the Gentile world, in the Roman Empire. I think one of the, the curious things about you know, adoption not being uh, a normal part of, of Jewish culture, and it's based on the standing of the family that you're born in, I think it's interesting the family that Jesus was born in. Like here you have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He wasn't born in the family of a king, was he? He was born in the family of a carpenter. I just find that, I just find that interesting that Jesus, his beginning was, was one of humbleness. And we can take uh, encouragement in that because no one here probably has been born in the family of a king, have we? But we've been adopted into the family of the king of kings. It's a powerful thing. In Romans chapter 11, in verse 7, or verse 17, it says, But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles who, who were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment of the root of God's special olive tree. It's kind of an interesting thing, being grafted in. At Amy's parents' uh, home in Limerick, a home that they had years ago, there was in the, in the back corner of the garden, there was this, this tree, and there was part of it that, that they, there was a bush that the owner of the, the house really liked, and it was dying. So they hired someone to, to graft that bush into a tree that was doing really well. So it was like a, a tree that is tied into, or this bush that's tied into this other, the other tree. And it was really interesting because here you have this tree and then you have this bush like growing off the, the side of it. And it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. But that bush was dying until it was grafted in to that tree and it gave it new life. Well, that's how it is with us. We've been grafted into this family, into God's family tree. That old life that we have, that we were dying in, that's been removed and we've been placed into his family. We've been adopted, grafted in. It's interesting when Jesus was talking to, to Nicodemus in, in, in the John chapter 3, he said that in order for a person to become part of God's family, that you must be born again. Well, we have to understand that when Jesus was saying that, he was speaking to a, a, a Jewish person. He was saying you must be reborn into God's family. All of us here, we've all been born into this world. We've been born into uh, a family of sin, right? We were dead in that sin. 
But God, in Ephesians here, we'll look at in just a minute, before the foundation of the world, decided that he would adopt us into our family. Like read the first, the, in Ephesians chapter 1, read that whole chapter, it's really good. But in the first part there, it talks about how before the foundation of the world, that means before this world ever even existed, God had already decided that he was going to adopt you into his family. Think about that for a minute. Sometimes we think that we're, our life might just be an afterthought, right? How could God, like, look at me and see me? But before the foundation of the world, he saw you. He knew you. And he had plans that were good and not for evil for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans to bless you. And the greatest blessing of all is to be adopted into his family and become a child of God. Man, when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror, like, who are you seeing? You're looking at a child of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Like, that should just blow our minds. We're all very quiet here this morning. Maybe you're just digesting this. It's good, isn't it? Like, we should look at ourselves so differently. When we see ourselves for who we really are, a child of the king, someone who's, who God thought so highly of that he would send his only son to die for you, that is amazing. The gratitude and the thankfulness that I have for him doing that for me. Like, it's changed my life. Like, I'm not the same person. Like, it set me on a completely different trajectory. I'd probably be dead if I didn't give my life to the Lord. When I was a youth, I was, I was going a certain direction in my life, and God got a hold of me. Thank God for a praying mom. There was many nights that she was up late praying for me. I was a mess. I had some bad friends doing some bad things, just being stupid. But the amazing thing is, is that something inside just always pulled me back. Like there's only so far that I could go into the world. Like I tried, it just felt sometimes like I just hit against something. I just want to tell you, parents, Praying for your kids, that's an important thing. And when you're praying God's word over their lives, that's going to change things. And it may be years and years and years that you're praying for them, and it may not seem that anything is happening, but the game's not over until the game's over, right? It took a while for me. Thank God I caught on sooner than later. But I'm so thankful for my mom who prayed. There are so many times where the Holy Spirit would wake her up in the middle of the night and have her pray for me. 
Sometimes those were when I was being stupid as a youth. Other times when I'm going on mission trips and doing things around the world and the Holy Spirit just, you need to pray for your son. He's in a situation and you need to pray for him. That's the helper. That's the Holy Spirit on the inside. We have a direct line to God, right? But the really cool thing is God has a direct line to us. He can talk to us and speak to us in the middle of anything going on in our lives if we'll just quiet ourselves and listen. Sometimes the noise all around us is really loud, isn't it? There's a lot of things going on in our lives. A lot of situations that are just screaming for our attention, right? But what we need to do is just find that quiet place those who dwell in the shadow of the Almighty, you just need to find that quiet place and just tune everything out and just ask the Lord, what do you want to speak to me? What can I do in this situation? The Holy Spirit's been sent to be our helper. Amen? In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5 says, God loved us and chose us in, the, in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And then in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15 and 16, it says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. In the New King James Version, it says that you received the spirit of adoption to whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That's the Holy Spirit. He's our guarantee. He's who Jesus sent. He's who God the Father sent to be our guarantee so that we could know beyond a shadow of a doubt that no matter what is going on in our lives, no matter the mistakes that we make, no matter what we do, if we're pressing into the Father, that we have a guarantee that one, he's just going to remain our Father. Man, if my kids mess up, I messed up. I don't even know how many times when I was a youth. I was so stupid. My mom didn't love me any less. My dad didn't love me any less. They didn't give up on me. They still fed me. They still clothed me. They still blessed me. They still prayed for me. They still did what a father and mother are going to do, what they should do. Well, if an earthly father and mother will do those things, then how much more our heavenly father? We can trust him. You know, they, they have the expression, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? Well, with God the Father, we can put all of our eggs in that basket because we know that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. The Bible says that when we follow him, that we will not be ashamed. Well, what does that mean? It means that I can stand up boldly for God, knowing that he always has my back. 
I can be a Christian in this dark world. I can be a light and knowing that God always has my back. No matter what else is going on around me, no matter what anybody else's opinion is about me, I know what God's opinion is. And that's really the only opinion that matters, is it? I care about what you think about me. But honestly, I don't care what it is you think about me. Right? What I do, who I am, isn't based on what you think about me. You know, coming out of, out of COVID, I, I, had, I had kind of one mindset before COVID when we were going to start a church. You know, and because we live in Ireland, I, I, I'm like, well, Lord, I'm American. Maybe I need to dampen that Americanness a little bit and be more Irish. I live in Ireland. I do try. I say something, and you can tell right away I'm not Irish, right? I can't help it. So I would try to, I, I'd, I'd try to be one way, kind of more pre-COVID, but during that, during that period, the Lord just really worked on my heart. You know, he's like, I didn't send you to Ireland to be Irish. I have Irish ancestry. Hopefully that's good enough. But I have to be who I am. And the Lord just put it on my heart. I sent you to be who I've called you to be. So that's how we're doing church. We always try to be culturally sensitive to everything. I live in Ireland. I want to be Irish the best I can. But at the end of the day, I'm American. Sometimes I have different expressions, you know, and I I say, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? And people are like, no. (laughs) Right? Well, sorry, there's not much I can do there. But I'm always going to be who the Lord asks me to be. And God expects you to be who he is asking you to be. You can't be concerned about what other people around you think. If you're moved by other people's thoughts and other people's opinions, then you're going to be moved in the wrong direction because the world system is always designed to get you off of God and moving in the wrong direction. But if your only concern, your only thought is I'm going to dwell where God wants me to dwell, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, I'm going to say what God wants me to say, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, no matter what anyone else around me thinks or feels or has opinions about, it's okay to listen to people's opinions and their thoughts, but at the end of the day, who are you going to follow? Other people? Or are you going to follow God's word and where he's directing you? Because you'll always be blessed in this. I don't know how many times if, you, if you're swayed by other people's opinions and thoughts, that just always gets you in trouble, doesn't it? I've been moved by other people's thoughts and opinions and I've made decisions based on those. And it never turns out the way I had hoped it would. But when I, when I move by God's thoughts and his opinions, I'm always blessed by it. Amen? In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19... It says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Then Ephesians chapter 1 and verse uh, 13 and 14. 
We'll be wrapping up here in just a moment. Stick with me a little longer here. It says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal and with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. In ancient times, you know, they had letters or, or scrolls that were, were stamped and secured with seals. You know, when Amy and I were first married, she, you know, she'd like to handwrite out, you know, letters and different things. And, you know, she had like this wax thing that you could melt the wax, you know, onto the, the letter and, and seal it and then put a, you know, a, a stamp on there so it's, it's sealed, right? Okay, it's kind of cute. <laughs> so, you know, when we were dating, sometimes I'd get a letter, you know, like that. It was kind of nice. But they used to do that in the olden days, and a seal was a sign of a number of different things. It was a sign of ownership. It was a sign of, of authority, of authenticity. It could also indicate that a deal had been closed. Sometimes still to this day, you know, we need to go and get something notarized or whatever. You know, they put a seal on that, right? And sign that. It's official, isn't it? Well, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 14, the Apostle Paul states that believers in Christ have been marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Well, what does it mean to be marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit? Well, let's just look at that real quick. So ownership, we said ownership, authority, authenticity, and proof of a signed contract. Well, the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit. God seals us with the Holy Spirit, demonstrating that we are His prized possession, that we belong to Him that we're owned by him, and that we are his children. Therefore, we can face life with faith and confidence, knowing that our lives belong to God. That's good news, isn't it? Also, authority. It's a sign of God's authority. It shows that we bear the emblem of the King of kings and the Lord of lords upon ourselves. Therefore, when we, when we speak, it's with divine authority. When we walk, it's with the power as children of the Most High God. And then authenticity, an unbroken seal on a king's uh, decree or edict was a sign that the enclosed message was authentic and genuine. We're authentic children of the all-powerful God, all-knowing creator of the universe, and all principalities and powers recognize us as such. When the devil looks at you, Who's he looking at? He knows you're a child of God. And he knows when he's messing with a child of God, if we act on that, that he's going to have to back off. Because we're no longer in his family tree. We're in God's family tree. If the devil recognizes you as a child of God, you need to recognize yourself as a child of God. Like, it's okay to pull on those strings. It's okay, in that case, to name drop, right? I'm a child of the king. You have no authority in my life, devil. Get your hands off of me. Get your hands off my kids. Get your hands off my family. Get your hands off my property. You have no authority here. Listen, when we realize 
who we are, when we realize what it is that Christ did for us, we've been translated out of that old dead life and translated into the kingdom of God. We're under his authority. We make Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, right? That means he's our Lord. We're under his authority. We're under his power, his dominion. We're no longer under the devil's power and his dominion. He no longer has any say in our lives where it's going to go and how that outcome is going to be. He no longer has that ability in your life. You're now under God the Father. You're in his family, right? You can't tell my son what to do. Only I can do that because he's my son, right? You are God's son and daughter. The devil cannot tell you what to do. You're in his family, God's family tree. Amen? Is that okay to say? I'm not ruffling any feathers this morning, am I? And then proof of a signed contract. It indicates that a contract has been signed and completed. You know, just like you would make a, a down payment on a home, right? If you want to purchase a home, you have to put a down payment on that, right? It's a guarantee that you're going to pay the rest of that so that if you get a loan, the bank knows that you're going to be good for that. You're not going to invest all that money into a home and just forsake the rest of it. Well, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee to us. It's God's guarantee, the down payment to us of that inheritance. We receive part of that inheritance in this life. There's things that belong to us in this life. But when we pass into eternity, that's when the fulfillment of the rest of that inheritance is going to be given to us. It's something that we can look forward to. Eternity is not going to be boring. It's going to be full of so much excitement. Man, you watch fireworks and you're like, wow, that is amazing. It's just fun to watch those, right? How many of you have ever seen a really good firework display? Heaven's going to be way better than anything we've ever witnessed in this earth. And the things that, that Christ has purchased for us, us being children of God, the inheritance that he has for us, we're just going to be blown away by it. We picture ourselves just living in this little shack, this little, this little home. You know, this is good enough for me. Well, God's going to blow us away when we get to heaven. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Well, I want to close with this scripture this morning. It's in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectations and have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach and change of decay. Amen? Well, let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Triumph Church podcast this week. If it was a blessing to you, share it with someone you know. For more information on Triumph Church, you can visit us at www.triumphchurch.ie.